0: access some boring subjects understand the risks to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com.
1: Welcome to We Are Libertarians. The Chris Spangle show. Old habits die hard, man. 10 years of saying that. Welcome to the Chris Spangle show. Today we are discussing why you need to understand history. Why you should learn history. Our guest Caleb Franz is here. He is the new host of Profiles in Liberty, so make sure you subscribe to it now in iTunes and all the podcatchers. So, stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Warning: This show is for adults by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive.
2: Uh, I don't know what I said.
1: Uh Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15 year veteran of politics and media. Welcome to the program. Again, my name is Chris Spangle. It is so great to have you here. If you're new to the show, and many of you usually are, you can learn more about my bio and beliefs at chris spangle.com. And I'm the founder of the We Are Libertarians podcast network, which now has 13 shows, soon to be 14. Talk about a new show in the coming months, Uh, not just the new show we're talking about today, more new shows. We're building an empire. We are building uh, uh, an institution in libertarian uh, politics, and we are so glad that you are part of it. And we could not do it without our Wall Plus patrons. And we thank them so much. And you can become a Wall Plus patron, W A L and get commercial-free shows. You can get the uh, History of Modern Politics podcast with Matt Whitliffe and I. You can get uh, the back catalog. You only get like 450 shows in the free version, but there's 1,500 other episodes that you can access if you are a wall patron. So if you're just listening for free and you're not adding value back to the shows that give you value, then you're missing out. Not only do, do you help us continue to grow, but you also... Um, Get some uh, cool things back, including t shirts and other merch. So, but we want to especially thank our $100 a month members John Pusilo, Casey Feldposh, Lars Nordskog, Jakey Dell, Matthew Durbin, Jeff Bennett, Reinhold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. And thank you to every one of our Wall Plus subscribers. You can visit joinwallplus.com and sign up for our patreon and continue to help spread the message and i got one of the most meaningful letters uh from one of our patrons i will not say their name you'll hear why um but you know this uh if you ever look in the background here if you're watching on youtube uh to the live show this is like my little uh wall of honor here you got all my buttons and you know, the Constitution, like up here, these are all the Republican buttons and the Libertarian buttons are over there, and my H.L. Mencken book and uh, all my credentials for my career, uh, my David Letterman autograph from 1994. And then this little patch here is from one of our wall patrons. And uh, Brandon came by and gave that to me, stopped and met me in person. And, um, you know, this patch has been to Iraq and Afghanistan. And uh, when he came back, he was just searching uh, for a for, uh, libertarian podcast, Listen to ours, and, and uh, said, I want to give this to you because if it had not been for finding your show, I would not be here. And this letter that we have today is certainly within the same vein. I'm going to mute uh, Caleb and Reinhold here. Um, I'd like to start by saying it's a true honor to see my investment into We Are Libertarians become as big as it is. If it wasn't for you and the entire wall network, I would have most likely continued down the road of extremism with the Klan. So this person was in the Klan and found our show and started listening over the last year. From your ability of looking at both sides, it inspired me to critically think about my life at that point, which led me to find liberty and love within myself. You and the network deserve every dollar I can give within reason. I don't agree with the within reason. As a way of saying thank you, and with the hope of inspiring someone else like me, and I just want to thank that listener, and thank you to all of the people that listen to this program that continue to promote the network, promote the Chris Spangle Show, uh, donate, give value back because we're the the cool. Th- you know, it's easy to do a show, and uh, let me bring in Reinhold here. Um, you know, it's easy to do a show, Reinhold, and do this week in and week out and never really hear much or you'll get your your iTunes review will be like, you know, one alt-right guy talking about how we're flaming leftists and, and you know, just crapping on the program. But then you get a letter like that and you go, oh, wow, this work is meaningful and this has an impact on people's lives. And the main message of the Chris Spangle Show and the, the goal of the We Are Libertarians Network is to... Um, inspire individuals to make their lives better because the stronger the individual, the stronger the community, the stronger the society can be. And once you become economically strong, physically strong, mentally strong, emotionally strong, you start finding ways to increase liberty in your life. Um, th- and that's, that's been a core tenet, but also the libertarian message is self-reliance and self-government. And that message leads people like this uh, person to to just radically change their lives to uh, to, to be more loving, more caring, and more self respecting. And um, so Reinhold, it's just a true honor that that we were able to influence this person in that way. And and we always thank people for their letters that let us know that this work is important to them.
2: I definitely agree. And and uh, more letters like that, we can get in the the. I think the more fuel it gives us to continue doing this and to continue providing as much value as we can to you guys. So yes, yeah. uh, I mean,
1: and, and I want the listeners to know. take away that you're part of something special, that you are part of some, uh, a network that continues to uh, influence and impact people in a meaningful way. And um, this community is just great. And I love getting letters like that. So joining the community, joining our little band of brothers and sisters, um, I think, and I'd love the audience if you can can tell me otherwise, because Trisha and I have been talking about this. Trisha Stewart-Mann and Hannah Cox, we think, are the only two female libertarian podcasters without a male co-host. They're just the main host of their show. Um, so we're honored to have that distinction with Trisha. Uh, so, but let's be honest, for libertarians, it's mostly a band of brothers. And joining us is uh, Caleb, Caleb Franz. Is it Franz or Franz, Caleb, continuing our tradition of me not asking ahead of time how to pronounce your name?
0: Uh, It's Franz, but honestly, uh, everyone kind of goes back and forth, so it it doesn't bother me either way.
1: Well, here in Indiana, it's Franz. Uh... Exactly, yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As someone who grew up in Southern Ohio, uh, (laughs) it's, it's, yeah, it's Franz.
1: Um, well, it, it is great to have you joining the network and your podcast is Profiles in Liberty and people can already subscribe to that in the feed. Uh, you can go to your, your Apple podcast, Google podcast, uh, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts and search for that while you're at it, just search, we are libertarians and you can uh, subscribe to all of our shows. Um, but tell us uh, a little bit about Profiles in Liberty. What is it and what is your goal with it?
0: well i am i am very excited about this program um i'm i'm thrilled that you were interested in it uh whenever i reached out to you about it because this is something that's that's just been uh honestly something i've wanted to do for for quite some time you know on my on my last uh on my last podcast on my Liberty i would do a few of these types of shows it's a it's a history style show it's more research heavy it's more um you know just just going through uh certain certain elements throughout history to to tell a story uh, a story about the the history of liberty um and i those were always my favorite shows that I did on my last podcast um and I thought it would make for a great uh great program as a whole. Um, So so that's that's what I'm hoping to do. I'm hoping that in profiles in liberty that uh, I'm able to to elevate certain figures throughout history uh, and and elevate them to to the to the level of hero status that I think that that they should be. Um, This isn't to say that everyone, you know, that every every possible person that you were ever told about in school uh, is going to be elevated to that status. Um, you know, obviously like when I was on Brian's show uh, a few weeks ago, uh, one individual that we kind of talked about and distinguished with that was uh, with Teddy Roosevelt, how I think he was someone who um, has been elevated to that level, but isn't really just quite deserving of that. Um, but there are those that are, and there are those who a lot of people don't even know about. So, um what i 'm trying to do is trying to to bring people heroes that they can look to and to ins- be inspired by uh, and hopefully um, hopefully some some people along the way will uh, will find some in- inspiration in that
1: so you know I started the history of modern politics, and I think um, history is an important part of this show. I still get letters about a World War I episode um, and that 's the the feedback from that and my enjoyment in the research of that show led me to uh, start talking with Matt Whitliffe about the history of modern politics because I think it's important for people to have the backstory. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's um, you know, Reinhold and I, we've talked, you and I have talked about, uh, was it The Golden Gate, the book that you read, and when you read the book about uh, immigration policy in the early 1900s, you see jumping There's out been- at you so many different things. Like, when I, I'm a... I'm a huge fan of reading books about the 20s Klan because I find it super fascinating. A third of my state joined up with the the Klan at the time. Um, yeah, and it's called the guarded, guarded gate. The guarded gate, and yeah. you know when you read about the 20s Klan, like I don't. I mean, a third of Indiana is not participating in lynchings, right? The 20s Klan didn't even lynch anyone, but and it was mostly anti-Catholic. But like the strains that came out of that still are in the words of people like the folks in charlottesville are like quoting things that the 20s clan talked about so when you learn history you sort of see these strings um and that's uh so i'd I'd ask you to subscribe to the history of modern politics and, and join the patreon you can hear it now or wait till 2022 to listen to it but that's sort of my philosophy is that you can understand the conversations now a lot better if you understand how we got here because it's just a rolling thing. It's not like, I think Caleb, my question or, or ask for your commentary on this is that people sort of think that once you're born, that's when all the conversations start or the fight for Liberty started, or like you hit 18 and all of a sudden it's tablo rasa and everything began at that moment. And that's just not the case, is it?
0: Right. Yeah. That's the, I mean, that's certainly the way it feels, right? That's uh that's uh you're, your introduction into the world, or, or at least your introduction into adulthood is, is suddenly when everything matters and when everything is important. Um, but a lot of the things, like, there's there's nothing really that's, that's new that we're dealing with. There might be new, you know, new facets to, to the different issues that we're, uh, we're talking about. But um, in a general sense, uh, everything that we're dealing with today has been dealt with in some way or, or form or another uh, throughout history, throughout all of history, not just American history, but uh, throughout all of time. And to, to not look back at that and to not um, relive what, what they went through and, and look, at the, uh, look at the lessons that, that they earned from that, uh is is foolish and it's just setting us uh up for for failure in the long run
1: yeah i've seen that in organizations that i'm in even um when mm-hmm. i went to a 2016 central committee meeting for the libertarian party of indiana they were solving problems that we had solved in 2009 um <laughs> and, and we'll let reinhold wax poetically about the uh the denver convention uh later but but there's a famous saying that history doesn't repeat itself it rhymes and I would definitely say that, that that that's true. So, you know, you you had a great show called Mill Liberty. And uh, okay. we we uh Brian Nichols was always pushing me. He's like, You gotta add Caleb. Caleb would be great on the network. Um, and it just didn't happen for whatever reason. Uh, but when you approached me with the history show, you're like, ah, I'm just focusing on the history. Like what why the shift from libertarian politics and the libertarian movement and talking about that to history what what caused you to do that
0: so uh, I, I spoke a little bit on on this in um, in the prelude episode that we have uh, recently released that uh, anyone who wants to can go and, and listen to that uh, right now uh, or after the stream uh, <laughs> but I got a little you know there's uh, Several, several factors kind of played into it. I got a little bit burnt out with just the, you know, the bickering and the back and forth that that comes with petty politics that's just not very. I I don't like, you know, arguing with a lot of people, honestly, though, (laughs) I, I'm, I'm very opinionated, but I don't actually like confrontation that much. Right. Um, and I, I just think that a lot of times, um, a lot of politics gets, uh, really unnecessarily divisive. Um, when in reality, yeah, I find history and philosophy and talking about ideas, uh, and talking about uh, events and and things that happened in the past, I find all of that a lot more exciting. Uh, and I find it, you know, it's it's a story, and and that's a lot more exciting to talk about stories than it is to talk about um, what opinions I might have uh, or might not have. Um, so I I decided. Probably, you know, early, earlier this year, I, I was, I was kind of going back and forth because whenever the pandemic hit, I kind of um, hit a wall and, and the podcast, my, my liberty kind of like withered um, unceremoniously uh, <laughs> into, into not being a thing anymore. And I was kind of going back and forth between do I want to bring this back or do I want to start a new program and for a while I was thinking I was going to bring uh, Mill Liberty back but um, i I came to the conclusion that like no I, I need to start something different I need to start something new um, and and make it very distinct from from what I did with Mill Liberty and I thought the history would be uh, would be the best way to to do that a uh,
1: question from the audience um... Darla says, Caleb going for that Robbie Sav Liberty look. Wow, Caleb <laughs> even sounds like Robbie. Are you or are you not Robbie Sov from Reason Magazine? I can neither confirm
0: nor deny that at this moment. Um, maybe maybe Wait until we're in the same room together to to be able to decide that for yourself. But,
1: well, if you start doing cancel culture episodes on the new podcast, we'll know for <laughs> sure uh, that it that you're Robbie Sov. so yeah, um, th- give us a preview of this first season. You're going by seasons uh, yes. so who who and what are you talking about? What is the theme of the first season? and do you have other seasons planned out?
0: I do um i have I have quite a few seasons planned out right now, uh, which is I I think going to be great for this uh, network because it it means we're going to have a lot of content in the near future. Um, Right now, the first season, I I actually just wrapped up uh, all the scripts for season one this, uh, this past week. And and I I started recording the, started recording the programming uh, yesterday. And the first season is uh, on the signers of the declaration of independence. Um, and I picked eight individuals uh, from uh, that I thought would you know ne- it's not necessarily that like eight random individuals or, or eight people that uh, they they have to be actual like defenders of liberty. Um, so I, I pulled out eight people and um, I uh, wrote down some scripts are longer, some scripts are shorter, but uh, I have about, eight individuals who I'm looking at and some of these individuals you will know Um, some of them you've probably never heard of. And that's kind of intentional. I, I, my, my goal was to elevate those who you may never heard of and then bring those who you may have heard of and try to force you to look at it in a, look at them in a new light. Um, Something that you may not have considered before or, or squash some sort of misconception that there may have been about them. Um, and and ultimately, just just bring some new perspective uh, for the listener to to look at these individuals.
1: So, like, what's the thing that you've learned the most so far in, in researching this first show, this first season? You
0: know, I have actually really taken away a very... I don't want to say different look outlook at at liberty itself and 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 my view of of libertarianism, but there's certainly some new nuances to it um, that I, I I didn't have before. Um, one episode, I'll give you an example that I'm really looking forward to. It'll it'll be episode three uh, is on Benjamin Franklin and how how he he basically created the idea of like the American community uh, and, and all of the different ways to to get involved into your community. And, and he really believed that like the best way or one of the best ways to to uh, strengthen and to defend the uh, principles of liberty was to uh, make the every man, as involved in their local community as much as possible because back then you know we kind of take things for granted today but back then it was very hard to kind of break into either politics or break into um whatever you know whatever kind of society you're trying to yeah you into. still had
1: an aristocracy i mean the right, the, yeah, the, the one yeah. thing about the founders is that they didn't necessarily this was not a democratic uh utopia that they set up they set up the existing power structure in the continental United States set it up so they would continue to be in that power structure and, and remove the, the old power structure. And, you know, I, th- I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you had to be a white male landowner to, to be politically active.
0: I mean, for, yeah, there's some, there's some variations in that, but uh, obviously, but you know, that's, that's generally around, you know, around uh, accurate, but with, with what Franklin was doing in, in Philadelphia and in Pennsylvania, um, he was trying to get, he was trying to, to make people more educated. Uh, he, he, he founded a, a, um, a library system that was actually private. That's uh, mm-hmm. like the, uh, it's, it's a really cool, uh, really cool thing that he did with it. It was a private library system the first of its kind um, but the idea was to make people more virtuous in society and to make people more educated in society. And he believed that that was the best way that people can defend their personal liberties was to get them as much involved and have as much of a stake in that as possible. And the whole time I'm looking through this, I'm like, this is like the libertarian idea of localism to yeah. the max. And, 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 you know, I, I guess I've always understood that, but it, it kind of shed a new light whenever I, I look through that uh, for, for, for that episode.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a core belief of mine. I was in politics 10 years before I started We Are Libertarians, which is 10 years old now. And mm-hmm. I've, over the, these 20 years, I've seen uh, Reinhold in the Libertarian Party of Rush County, for instance, you know, they they showed up to county council meetings and no citizens had ever shown up to a county council meeting in Rush County. <laughs> and so the county council was passing these 100 million dollar spending projects to put their name on it and because they showed up with a VHS you know, a video camera basically and put it on YouTube, a 100 million dollar project got canceled because all mm-hmm. of a the sudden there was some transparency and so you know, the last year, I, you know, I see all these uh a lot of libertarians running around saying it's time to start shooting. And uh I, every time I ask them, have you ever been to a city council meeting? Have you ever talked to your local representative? Have you ever talked to your congressman? Do you know who is on your county council? You know, who is your mayor? And the the answer is always no. I've never been politically engaged. And when you go back and read um uh Paul Revere's I, I think it's Paul Revere's ride by um I it's just ex- escaping me but it's a fantastic book that's a guy with three names uh and uh, so but you read that book about you know revolutionary Boston all of these guys are intensely involved in their local politics they're all well known you know and they've been petitioning for 10 15 20 years in some cases, and trying to get uh, things rectified. If you show up to your local community and get involved in local politics, you'll be establishment within 5, 10 years, because so few people are actively engaged in local politics.
0: And and, and honestly, it goes beyond the, the, the political sphere as well, because a lot of problems that people are like why aren't the government doing this uh there are problems that can be fixed without the involvement of the state any state whether it be on the federal level or whether it be your city council and and more societies you know in 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 the 1700s that was what was popular was that all these different societies would start to pop up to either talk about these different ideas to get people uh, more educated or just to figure out how to, how to deal with issues, uh, the issues of their day. And, and having more of that of a mindset to just, you know, you don't have to go to your, go to your uh city council to try to get your neighbor to do something you can just talk to your neighbor to try to get them to do something
1: mm, uh, this <laughs> sounds fishy these voluntary yeah. exchanges through peace and harmony uh, i don't know about all that uh that yeah seems... it's,
0: it's it's a revolutionary idea it's, it's i it's, think uh, i need
1: to put a gun in their face and threaten them uh that's the right, liber- that's like the libertarian work, yeah. way yeah. Go, reinhold why don't you jump in here i'm sure you have thoughts
2: um, Well, yeah, that sounds like hard work, right? Trying to, to build a society from, from the ground up on your own. But that's always been my look at uh, uh, libertarianism is that we should be trying to replace the power structures that are existing now with our own voluntary ex- power structures. Prove that they work. Once you prove that this works, more people are going to accept that and, and want to do that. Because one thing I've noticed when when I talk to people about politics – Um, One of the first things I will ask, and and I'll say, what I believe is that people should be free to live their lives unless they're hurting somebody else. And invariably, most of the people I talk to say, yeah, I agree the same thing. Well, that's libertarianism. I mean, that's the base core of libertarianism. But they always include the but or the yeah, but in this situation or we kind of have to do this and then once you break down what those butts are and you find solutions for them that aren't related to putting a gun in somebody's face and making them do it, people are more willing to jump on your, on your side and, and uh, become libertarians because of that. Right. They, they, I I just think that the majority of people, especially in, in this country feel that way. Um, But they're getting pulled to these extremes of the left and the right, because an authoritarianism because there's something that they care about that they feel like the only solution is government
1: well people confuse twitter and social media with real politics and
2: it's not it's anti-social media
1: yeah it's networks of people
2: (laughs) right and but and that's one of the great things about the the um the kind of the the internet that I'm trying to get going, the I see that the the potential is there for us to really be able to bypass and, and have transparency, right? And bypass the the gatekeepers of the of the information and the gatekeepers of the power by having us communicate directly with each other. Um, but there's a problem with that too, right? There, it can be abused, it can be uh, misused, it can be uh, something that can cause more strife than than not. Um, and we have to be vigilant, vigilant of that, but we also need to realize that this is the greatest power that we could have too, right? So just like a gun is a very powerful tool, but it can be misused. The same thing for the internet, the same thing for oh, free communication. We have to be, you know, vigilant, vigilant of that. So, um, by, by focusing on doing the things that, when, when we, we see a problem, like we saw a problem with healthcare years ago, and, we, and there was, we spent billions of dollars on either side arguing about what the government should do, what the government shouldn't do, blah, 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 blah. If we just spent that money and time and effort and just fixed the problems ourselves without government, we wouldn't need all that stuff. We wouldn't have that those programs because we would have the private programs, the voluntary programs, fixing the solution to begin with. In my state, we have a... a private organizations that will pay for medical care for people who are under poverty limit. Right. And it's all voluntary done. Um, and, And we need more of that. We need more of the, of the people taking care of the problems themselves and less reliance on I'll only do this. I'll only help if I make sure that my neighbor does too. And the only way I can make sure that he does is put a gun to his head and make him do it. And in my opinion, if you're not willing to personally go down and put the gun to the guy's head, to your neighbor's head, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be voting for someone else to do it for you. Right. So, I mean, that, that's how I always have seen it. And that's how I think that it's not necessarily localism. As opposed to nationalism, I think there's a place for both. I think that you could have organizations that work across different states and different counties and things like that, that can coordinate with each other and do a good job of it. But it should be focused on helping the individuals should be focused on helping the people and not focused on putting, uh, forcing people to participate.
1: Caleb, do you want to weigh in at all?
0: Um, yeah, I, I mean, I have uh, just been noticing that um, some some thoughts that uh, just come up in, into my mind while you were speaking um, is that, you know, a lot of times libertarians get uh, a rap for only caring about themselves or being selfish and uh, only caring about the individual for the individual's sake and not the broader community or society as a whole. And, and I just think that that is – the completely wrong way of, of, of looking at everything because um, especially in, in, in that episode that I alluded to, that's coming up here in a few weeks um, that is essentially what's what Benjamin Franklin was trying to do was trying to make a, a, a better, safer society for the individual, for, uh, for the liberty of the individual person by making society as a whole more, more virtuous and more interconnected uh, with each other. So it's different from a, a collective, which is kind of erases the individual identity out of everyone. And it's about bringing everyone together into, into a community. And there's, there's a very distinct separation between those two. And I, and I think libertarians shouldn't be so, um, so, you know, knee-jerkingly opposed to whenever they hear, you know, words like community or, or, you know, anything like that, because, um, they, they are good things. And, and these are ways that we can, we can, you know, certain tools in society that we can use to put in place of government. Not, it's not necessarily saying that we're, we're kind of, uh,
1: I'm, I'm sh- no, I think I think like a stroke you, right now uh, on the words If you uh, <laughs> if you look at the the letter in um you know politics can bring meaning to people because it it helps them make sense of the world that is going on around them and uh, politics doesn't have to be inherently evil or inherently con- you know uh, combative like you know Indianapolis is a success story in many ways because their politics kind of comes second here. You know, if you're if you listen to leaders and legends, I invited my uh, you know my friend Robert Vain on to talk about history today, and and his whole entire show is 120 episodes talking about how Republicans and Democrats and Libertarians and Independents and nonprofits and the government sector and the private sector have all worked together to put goals first and politics second. It's not about what who's getting over on who using the state to fight against each other. And as a result, you have one of the most thriving sectors of um, school choice and charter schools. And, and that, that pushed IPS to become increasingly better as a school. And IPS 15 years ago was just a dog pile. And right now it is, you know, my, my nieces are in IPS in the Indianapolis public school system. And my, my sister, who was a teacher, loves it. They're getting a great education because that competition opened up and it wouldn't have happened without the Republican governor working with the Democratic mayor to put kids first and in an expanding choice and freedom in that one sector. I mean, there's there's many different ways that when community comes first and politics comes second, you start to see wins. Caleb, give us one more like important takeaway that, that you found that that we'll see threaded through that first season.
0: I I, 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 again, I am, you know, trying to to give people heroes to look up to, um, so it, it might not necessarily be that everyone that I do an episode on, your you specifically will be inspired by or uh, find this to be your new favorite person or or, or anything like that um uh, i have found that um there's at least one area that i think everyone will find a certain level of if, if you care about these ideas if you if you really appreciate the ideas of liberty that um everyone will at least have a, a certain amount of appreciation uh for for this person and, and a newfound um perspective on, and how and how to look at these individuals specifically in the founding era as we'll see in the first season and and later seasons throughout all of all of history both american and uh eventually world history
1: so who who have you um, been inspired by who have i been
0: inspired by um well there's uh, some uh, there are some obvious ones um from the get-go that i already knew that i was going to enjoy the first episode is is going to be on um thomas jefferson and it's a it's a really exciting episode. I, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised in, in a lot of ways by some of the, some of the information that I, I put forward, but there's some, some other ones. Um, one in particular that, that really struck me was Benjamin Rush uh, who signed the declaration of independence. He was a doctor out of, out of uh, Pennsylvania and he was actually remarkably ahead of his time on the issue of uh criminal justice reform he was against the death penalty uh he uh, argued for uh massive reforms in uh in the medical community where um there was kind of some overlap with the, with the criminal justice uh with the criminal justice system um And and a lot of these things that sound like things that you might hear about, you know, in in by talking heads today when talking about the issue, he was already ahead of it, you know, 250 years ago. Um, And that's something that I think is is inspiring to look at, because we kind of look at that time period in in a different context of like all these things nobody really looked at these issues like with criminal justice reform or like the death penalty or something like that. But here's someone who was, and here's someone who said like, no, we need a a more just humane society with the way that we are treating um, criminals and, and criminal justice reform has always been kind of a passion um, area of, of mine in particular. So finding that, uh, finding that out about, about him, uh I was I was particularly inspired by uh. Yeah.
1: Ryan who's a libertarian that you've been
2: inspired by? Um, I don't know if you would call him a libertarian because it was years it was um 150 years ago. Uh, but there's a person named uh William Graham Sumner, who when we talk about how libertarians are are given this idea that we're not supposed to that we're all about the individual only we only care about ourselves we don't care about anybody else we don't care about society he was like the first professor of sociology at Yale University but he was also a staunch anti-war person and he wrote some great essays and one of them is still one of my favorites today is called the um, the forgotten man where he breaks down society and charity and shows that what we, you know, what the people who try to help do is instead of person A and person B deciding that they're going to individually help someone we call person X, they decide what person C is going to do to help person X, right? So they're deciding not just for themselves, but for what, um, what the whole society is going to do. And they're going to make that person do it, irregardless of what his personal situation is, right? And he's considered a forgotten man. Now, over the years... Franklin Roosevelt stole that phrase and turned it into more of a progressive type of idea. And then it's been tried to get transferred. Frickin' back Roosevelt's again. man, and,
1: right? Caleb,
2: yeah. Roosevelt.
1: <laughs> just any Roosevelt, any Roosevelt
0: is really.
2: trash. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he, he, he pre, he was really at the forefront in, in my mind in, in the 1880s about pushing, individualism, pushing uh, anti-war, all all the stuff that you would call a libertarian today. That's what he was kind of talking about. And he was uh, he was a professor of sociology He's one of the uh, preeminent professors of sociology as as that was starting to become a a learned practice. Right. So um, this notion that we shouldn't be concerned about the sociology of people and and how we interact with each other is and be libertarians is makes no sense to me from that.
1: Reinhold asked me who mine was.
2: Yeah, who who is yours, Chris?
1: Thank you, Reinhold. That's a great question. I really appreciate it. My, I would say um, I don't know that he's the most influential or impactful, but he's my favorite, and it's H.L. Mencken. I mentioned him earlier. Um, if you don't know who he, he's probably written more words than any other human in history. Uh, th- that's not my estimation. That's like so, what some experts say because. He started in the late 1800s as a newspaperman, just doing copy, Uh, and you can, on Amazon, buy like basically everything Mencken's ever written, somebody's gone through, and uh, like, here's all of his newspaper writings from 1842, or uh, 1898, I mean, and it's just like, you know, Mrs. Donaldson had her bike stolen today, all the way uh, through, you know, he, he had a really multivariate career in media, and he... Uh, started at the Boston, uh, at a Boston, uh, excuse me, a Baltimore newspaper, went on to write for the Baltimore Sun. Um, and he really worked fr- from uh, 1898 to 1948. Um, and he was one of the leading voices against the progressive era. And he was uh, hugely influential. He became incredibly famous in the 20s, um, one of the biggest names in uh, pop culture covered the Scopes Monkey trial. You know, and Mencken was, a lot of libertarians love him, especially certain crowd, because he was biting and, you know, really stuck it to the man. But when you really read Mencken, he was an individualist first uh, and said that I don't care what the the uh, crowd thinks. This is what's what I think is right. And that is what challenged people. It wasn't that he was intentionally trying to inflict pain on other people. He was just declaring his opinion and not going against the crowds. I mean, his his main issue was fighting against utopian thinking. He was largely moderate and basically looked at Wilson, FDR. They both hated his guts because he was a hugely influential critic that nurtured a, a critical movement against them in the smart set and the uh, American Mercury by elevating different voices. He wasn't he wasn't he didn't have like a driving ideology. He did call himself a libertarian. He's one of the first people to use those words. But what he did in the smart set and especially in the American Mercury was um, nurture a lot of budding libertarian voices like Albert J. Nock and some of the foundations of our modern movement started in those pages along with in the free man um, in the the first half of the 20th century. Um, But that... That, like, not being swayed by one side or the other and really just speaking out. Sorry, I had Taco Bell for breakfast. Not being swayed by that and just saying, I'm an individual and I don't care what everybody else thinks. This is what's right or wrong. You know, through both wars, World War One and World War II, um, he was a, a staunch anti-war voice for, I, I, you know, what was then called isolationism but non-interventionism. Because what you have to remember about World War One is that from 1848 to you know the early 1900s you had a ton of german immigrants move here and most of the midwest was german and it was a huge voting block and wilson the reason wilson didn't want war th- to achieve his second term was because he didn't <coughs> want to piss off those voters in the midwest and then he flip-flopped Um, And Mencken was really a voice for those people saying, you know, not everybody's all in on what the propaganda says about this war. And then in World War II, it was much harder. He was was not pro Hitler. He was pro German. He was pro Kaiser. So he wasn't a fan of Hitler, but he was uh, against the war. And so he got kind of um, called a Nazi, if that sounds familiar to people. Um, So, I just think he's an incredibly fun voice. If you want to read about him, uh, William Manchester's book is really good. He's a, a great biographer that went on. Uh, Manchester wrote you know, a Churchill biography, a JFK book. He's, he was a huge writer, and, and this was his first book about a man that he um, really spent a lot of time with in Mencken's later years and had a lot of great access. So um, I forget what the book is called. Uh, I think I got it, and it's... Um, the life and riotous times of H.L. Mencken. So hugely influential on me in a lot of ways uh, and uh, really interesting. We are almost out of time for this segment. Um, So, Caleb, final thoughts from you on your show. How can people listen? What else do you want to get across to the audience that maybe you didn't get to mention yet?
0: So Profiles in Liberty is the name of the show. Uh, If you you have forgotten, uh, it is going to be on... July 1st is when it's going to uh, debut and uh, just subscribe to it. Now it's, it's, it's up on, on any podcast, wherever you subscribe to things on, on your own podcasting uh, devices. And uh, also I have a Substack newsletter that is uh, bi-weekly. There's actually going to be one going out today um, on uh, Saturday here. And uh, that will be important, especially in between seasons. I'm going to keep, content pushing out um so that so that way you can get updates on the show and uh so I, I highly encourage you to subscribe to that and uh also i'm on twitter so just give me a follow at caleb franz
1: cool very cool and you can go to way your libertarians.com and find it there too well caleb we wish you the best of luck we'll be uh having you back on to talk about other issues very soon um and we appreciate you coming on the network and we're glad to have you can't wait all right well now when we come back normally we would have a news breakdown but i'm going to be self-indulgent and introduce you to my fiance so stay tuned Welcome back to the Chris Spangle Show. Um, Reinhold, I think she's nervous. Uh, so, uh, can uh, just, you're just talking to us? It's no video. Uh, yeah, there's no. There's only seven people on YouTube. Yay! <laughs> okay, I need to turn your mic you're up. Our favorites. Um, let's see here. Hold on. Uh, we were we had to do so many uh, commercials. So I could get this all set up because, you know, Reinhold, you used to come here, drive 45 minutes to my house and sit in the studio. I mean, late 2019, we just were all like, all right, you got to drive forever. Harry doesn't want to deal with traffic. We can do this just as easy over the the internet as we can in person. So I, I don't have a studio. Like if you used to watch, like, you know, from here to here, it was just like a, a curtain and, and it was like a real setup, but we don't have that anymore. So we just had to rebuild it. So... Uh, this past it's Sunday, like a
2: real living space again. Isn't I
1: know, it? you know. Here on the show, and this is more for longtime folks. Uh, you know, we used to do more personal stuff on the show, um, and we don't anymore because I've just tried to become more and more obsessive about relevancy and what do listeners find relevant. And usually, Reinhold, they don't find you and me relevant. They find uh, different thoughts especially reinhold they they find different thoughts about politics that we might lead them to relevant and interesting uh so i don't talk a lot about my personal life on the show as much anymore much to the i mean it was damn near a comedy show uh in the uh early days of the show really the first five years um and then around 2017 2018 we started to like really go, okay, we have a big audience and people like this, and we need to dive in on that. And we really pivoted to become more information heavy. That's why we've got the 16 pages of show notes, all that stuff. Uh, but I know that there are still a lot of people that listen that do care about Reinhold and me and the people that are uh, involved in We Are Libertarians. Um, and so I, I fully admit that I'm being self-indulgent at the moment. But uh, for you longtime listeners, I got some great notes because – on Sunday, I asked Reagan, Hunt, if, I, if Reagan, Reagan Spangle.
3: No. This I mean. yeah, hold, hold like this. Not, 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 almost to, Spangle.
1: To marry me. Um, now, we've been dating for a couple years, and uh, show him the ring. Closer. Just really get in there and show him <laughs> this is- all that Patreon money. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's, <laughs> um, and we met uh, through your mom, actually um
3: yes we did
1: she she tried to set us up up a couple times she set us up in 20 tried to set us up in 2017 um but uh you you didn't take to it (laughs) i have to show him how i met reagan way back when because this was super embarrassing uh i got (laughs) spike Cohn. it's so embarrassing that spike Cohn shared it uh not to humiliate me but just uh just because he loves humor as much as as i do spreading hope yes so gosh i know i posted it somewhere oh i know where i posted it so um you and i met in 2017 when i slid in the dms yep and how did i slide in the dms with a wave the wave emoji just a wave (laughs) that was it just a wave that's how it all started
3: no words nothing
1: nothing you need to talk louder honey you're, you can't hear yourself not talking?
3: I can hear myself talking. Can you not hear it? It's
1: just a little quiet.
3: Oh, am I not loud enough?
1: There we go. Now you're loud enough. So I just waved, and she waved back, and then I said, do you ever get told you look like your mom? Uh, Reinhold, not exactly a panty dropper.
2: I I am surprised uh, that there was anything after that line. That conversation just didn't stop right then. There was that's, kind of uh, a delay. There was a lull. Yes. There was
1: a lull. just continued after that. Cassandra said, hey, I love those personal notes in the early days. And I did too. And I do too. And maybe we'll do a little more of that towards the end of the show as opposed to the first 20 minutes like we used to. Um, because I do think it's important for you to know my life and Reinhold's life and a little bit about us and where we're coming from. Uh, it just it got to, you know, there were episodes where it was like three hours of us talking about us. And that's just a little much.
2: Um, well you yeah, gotta be careful though because my wife has been wanting me to get her on the show because she has things to say oh no <laughs> so you'd be careful <laughs> what you do here
1: <laughs> yeah i mean and 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 listen my divorce happened during the an episode of the show if you are a patron and you go back to the archives the in d- february 2014 in late february 2014 there's an episode with gina greg and i where she's basically packing her things and walking out on me
2: did you know that
3: I did. <laughs> I did. I did. It was very uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. So, so it was you having the podcast was the final straw, wasn't it?
1: Uh, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She felt ignored uh, a lot because I was a workaholic, and uh, she was jealous that I was having conversations with Gina. And I, I don't think it was, uh, you know, story time with Gina really rubbed her the wrong way. Um which you can listen to in the podcast feed. And the funniest of that never got posted because I lost it because I got divorced. Um, and so everybody who listens, you know, I got great notes from longtime listeners like Sam Wotiz, who, who was just like, you know, I've, I've listened so long. I know what you've gone through and I'm so happy for you to meet somebody like Reagan. Uh, and so we met, we started talking uh, on and off uh, and then started talking in early 2019 and just have become best friends since, have mm-hmm. we not?
3: Best friends.
1: Yep. So best friends forever. You you I first met you uh at 16, 17?
3: 17, I believe.
1: And it was at a libertarian event. Yep. Uh it was Glenn Greenwald, Bruce Fine and uh somebody else who was who is a big name now but was not popular then. Your mom your mom always took you to a lot of libertarian stuff, did she not?
3: Yes, and we always would ask to go too. Like that was something always on our radar. We've like the Young Americans for Liberty and a few other different things. You
1: went like to that. a lot of Mises conferences.
3: Yes, um, well, my sisters did. I more went to the ones at IEPY and um, okay. With, what was a club? I'm trying to remember the name of it. I'm drawing a blank. So the Republicans.
1: Oh, uh, young it's like, Republicans!
3: It's like young Republicans. College they had Republicans. College Republicans. They had a bunch of different programs put on, which had a lot of more libertarian thinkers there that would come and speak for them. So yeah, IPY and Purdue.
1: So you know, we had the big stuff. I'm I'm involved in libertarianism. Like, were you when you first learned I was a podcaster? What were your thoughts?
3: I didn't have that many thoughts on it, honestly. I um, as most
2: women don't. Reinhold. I was like.
3: <laughs> But he has a job.
2: Well, he's a he's a libertarian, <laughs> so obviously he has a podcast, right? I mean, that's right, the way it is. It's a requirement.
3: A lot of people say they have a podcast, but um, I had listened to your podcast actually. Did so. you? Mm-hmm. So that helped a little bit, yeah.
1: Because you knew I wasn't crazy.
3: Well, um,
1: I didn't like that. He <laughs> you, you knew what kind of crazy you were. So yes, exactly. I was her There's kind a of spectrum. crazy. Uh, yeah, and so we. We didn't start dating right away. We became friends, and and uh, you were going through stuff, and and I was uh, just, you know, we were friendly. And uh, you you have a daughter, mm-hmm. and who we call Squish. We won't say her name. Um, who ha- she and I have become best buddies
3: best buddies
1: yep so we, even she
3: says best buddies
1: does she yeah best
3: buddies forever that's what she says
1: <laughs> she's very cute and uh we have just a very happy life and uh you live because we're christians there's uh as stone if you remember stone our former social media director used to say no cookie till marriage so you live in the apartment complex here
3: i do but she, a good walking distance
1: she has a a walking distance so there's no sin
3: our first year i lived in brown county to yeah. be fair that was a driving distance,
1: and uh, so you, uh, you and I have been able to see each other every day. And so we, now, uh, y- y- yeah. Paul here is saying, note to self, start a podcast. That way, I can be lonely publicly. <laughs> And I was very publicly lonely for a long time. Um, but a podcast will help you uh, get chicks if you slide in their DMs. You've got to actually slide in their DMs, Paul. You can't just not slide in their DMs. Validate. I'm
3: blinking <laughs> twice. All right.
1: I said, other, I said the other day, Paul could have totally dated that girl. Was I right or wrong about that?
3: 100% right.
1: This cute 23-year-old.
3: She was adorable. I don't know. Her hair was on point, too. It was, yep. She was really cute. Totally looked like an art student. I think she actually was. <laughs>
1: our, our, that squish our, making
3: dog sounds. I don't think you guys there. can hear that.
1: Um so you're <laughs> You're a puppy. You're the best puppy. Yeah. We so, don't like dogs. Uh yeah, we are uh we are are definitely I mean, for me it's the most supportive relationship I've ever been in. I uh we've never had a fight. Nope. Um,
3: honestly we have not.
1: The closest we came Which is, is when you is good because <laughs> is it true that you will not wear let me wear cargo pants?
3: I refuse. I've been I, I was I grew up homeschooled and uh, that is very much um that that is a factor that cannot be. What does homeschooling have to
1: do with anything?
3: There was a dress code. Was there? I really do think that like, um my siblings and I would play spot the homeschooler where you'd go out and you could just spot the people that were homeschooled and one of the ways you could tell if someone was homeschooled was if they were wearing cargo pants. Now, I, I swear, 100%, I'd actually go up to the family and say, like, are you homeschooled? I mean, aside from the fact that they had like 12 children, um, that was one of the giveaways was cargo pants.
1: We're doing a podcast. Do you want to come say hi? Okay, climb out of your chair. Um, you are the oldest of how many children? 11. So she's like that homeschooled extra like libertarian conferences probably gold buried several places in the backyard live on
3: the compound
1: did you have the ron paul homeschool curriculum
3: we had cutouts of ron paul (laughs) we had um signage for ron paul we had the t-shirts for ron paul i have i have
1: shaken Uh, you've shaken his hand yes i have
3: i have yep
1: what's wrong come here squish
3: you're the you're S- the say poo-poo. hello. No, don't, don't lick
1: it. No, don't lick the microphone. Ay-oh. Say hello.
3: Heyo. <laughs> Can you say hi? Say hi. Say hi. Say hello. Say
1: swipe or no swiping.
3: You you have to say words into it. That's how it works. <laughs> oh fantastic. Oh, you
1: want Peppa on TV? Okay,
3: we'll get that for you. Just sit down.
1: Um. So yeah,
3: <laughs> Escaldra
1: says, "Tell me you're in a cult without saying cult." Was was your homeschooling Ron Paul world a cult?
3: No, <laughs> <laughs> no, it ish. was not ish. <laughs> there were definitely um, okay. So it's like you have your homeschool like people that you know, and uh, most of the people that I was friends with were pretty normal. Uh, pretty
1: normal, like Jeremiah, moral normal because yeah, he was homeschooled. Yeah. You yeah. think Jeremiah is normal?
3: Yeah, on the spectrum of normal. Yeah, <laughs> sure. We'll go, we'll go with that.
1: Like Levy Rainey from Liberty Explained. She was yes, homeschooled. She She's homeschooled. super normal. Super normal, yes. But Boss Hog of Liberty, I would not say is normal.
3: Okay. In person, he acts more normal. Okay. There's there's that. I
1: guess you're right, yeah.
3: Like We've hung out with him. He's acted normal.
1: Normal-ish.
3: <laughs> Sometimes you have, like keep it active, yeah? Yeah. So, yeah, no, most this of my not- friends were not...
2: He's just not tweeting for uh, Libertarian Party New Hampshire or anything. Like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, no. J- Jeremiah
1: is normal. Um, and your sister has been on the show.
3: Yes, Alexandra.
1: Because one of the ways that I tried to slide in her DMs was at inviting her on the show to talk about uh, homeschooling, and she couldn't do it. But she's like, my radio. My sister was in radio. You should have her on. So I, I had the, I had the backup plan on. I was like, okay. Uh, she came on to talk about She
3: also kind of looks like my mom.
1: No, she she doesn't. I'm kidding. No. I'm joking. You <laughs> and your sister Lauren are like carbon copies. We coffees. look like
3: exact exact carbon copies. Yeah, so you can look 11, on like my my Facebook siblings. banner how
2: many how many male, how many female?
3: 5 girls uh, and you know, six girls and five boys. So have, she doesn't know. Well no no, I think of it always like I have five sisters and I have five brothers and I'm at the tippy top of the pyramid, so I just look down. So, and it's even.
1: And you're a teacher.
3: <laughs> and I am a teacher.
1: Yep. Um teach Spanish. So, I think the audience you can hear she's very uh very stable and normal and we are very happy and uh she is not um like Previous administrations, not see not,
3: when you have to say that stuff, and right. it makes people think that the
1: person. Well, long time well, listeners uh, remember my dating history, and they, <laughs> everybody here is
2: thinking, "Okay, what's the catch?"
1: Yeah, uh, so <laughs> the, the, the the we got thousands of nice oh, comments when we when we posted it across the platforms, but we did get one. Uh, she he called you a gold digger.
3: Ooh...
1: Now, take a look, look around this luxury apartment. Would you call me? Uh, uh, d- are you dating me for my wealth?
3: No, <laughs> I am not. I would say your wealth has gotten better since you started dating me.
1: That's true. Very true. <laughs> yeah, it's something about uh, a good relationship makes you uh, go, Oh, I should stop spending all my money.
3: I'm the better one with money. I think, oh, yeah. In this relationship. You're
1: the nerd and I'm the free I, spirit. I am. Uh, and then uh, you've made me lose weight.
3: Yes.
2: So there was another comment on the Spike Cohen discussion is that now you've made it, you and he have both made it unreasonable for libertarians <laughs> that they have unreasonable expectations that they can go out and, and, and do the same. Things.
1: Slide in DMs. Yeah. But see, you can slide in DMs all day, but you have to like follow that with like good content, right? Like you can't. Like waves. Yeah. The, all right. Maybe or the... you look like your mother. <laughs> yes. But there were, I've, you're not sitting here because I'm a dope, okay? Admit or asking it.
3: Asking how many kids they want, and only like a few messages into the conversation.
1: Oh, jeez. Ah. Give me this. For Thirty days. <laughs> no, give me that <laughs> ring so I you earned it. it. The thirty-day return policy is not, is not is uh, not closed out yet.
3: No, I earned this.
1: <sighs> so yeah, the other one was uh, <laughs> it was uh, a girl on my Instagram, and she said. Shit! I knew I should have slid in those DMs when I had the chance. She's just with him for his clout. Oh, mm. no, no. See, Reinhold, clout really runs out when you're on your third day of being hangry and bitching about buying a suit.
3: Yes, but I knew he was hangry. <laughs> we walked in, he was acting a little bit uptight, and I was like, I looked at him and I was like, "Did you eat today?" Because he never you're is at all Spanish. short with me. And he was like, no, I have not eaten. I was like, okay, good. And I just walked away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not me. No, for none of those reasons. I just, I love you. Uh We have a lot of things in common. Like we get along as far as like theology wise, temperament. uh, temperament, Yeah. uh, I mean, just little, just random things that just make life really a lot more enjoyable. Uh, We don't like to fight.
1: Um, new no. we like to
3: discuss things but we we're not passive like
1: aggressive about it either exactly
3: we're not like that at all like
1: four days later you're, you're like you're a very okay. hard
3: worker and i'm a hard worker yeah so it don't even it doesn't even phase me he works a lot but he definitely puts time aside for me and um squish and i really value that but he's yeah. a hard worker i'm a hard worker
1: see when you've been married once and it didn't work out you you try to learn from those mistakes so you don't have to go through that again so so i i always as much as you know the wall network and um i started a consulting business where i'm teaching people podcasting so if you have a podcast and you want me to help set one up if you don't have a podcast i can help set it up if you want you know you want to get to where we are libertarians is at i'm gonna i'm teaching people uh, for a handsome fee how to do this uh you know and so i've got that and then i've still got my full-time job at bob and tom um mm-hmm. and you know been going to college mm-hmm. so there's just always and and the pat down um, so there's just always something going on, but, explained. Yep. but so I always just try to make sure that I take the time for the two of them and not, n- not blow it. Um, but you know, I, I, I went to therapy for four years to be a, uh, a good husband and stepdad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I think it's paid off. I think it's worked right. Yeah. You got to meet my therapist and personally thank her.
3: I did actually thank her.
1: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I've I've never hit you.
3: God, no. <laughs> that's like that's a low bar, y'all. If you're listening to this, that's a, that's a low bar. There's like higher things.
1: I'm with him because he doesn't hit me.
3: Could you imagine?
1: No, unfortunately, I know it. Uh, so, yeah, so I just wanted you all to meet Reagan and uh Squish and uh just uh come in and join our lives and you you actually are the one who are like. Can we go to Libertarian Party events? We went to two this past week. Yes. Where did we go? Out of
3: the shell, uh, Indianapolis, and I can't even remember. I was so tired. <laughs>
1: Hendricks County.
3: <laughs> Hendricks County.
1: Yep. And then we're going to uh, Carmel and and volunteering for their outreach booth. Yep. So wish we'll yep.
3: probably all be matching, wearing blue because that yeah, just happened to be all of our clothes are blue just, now.
1: Like didn't mean to match, but it happens. It just so happens. red, white, and blue. Yep. So anyways, uh Reinhold, any qu- any further questions?
3: Has he even asked any questions?
1: I don't think so. I, mean, he's, I, th- I think
3: he's getting, <laughs> the, I think I think he's getting
2: commented uh, PMs from people.
3: <laughs>
2: no No, I you do learn things from the first failed marriage, I can yep. tell you that too. For so Sure. I learned the 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 most important thing in a marriage is that you A like and B respect the other person. Yeah. Because that didn't happen in my first marriage and it was not a pretty time. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, we didn't have anything in common and, uh, I still care for my ex wife and I, I think she was a great person. You know, I don't, I don't have anything disparaging to say against her. I really don't. Um, and really liked her family, but it just wasn't the same as this relationship where Reagan and I are, are partners and happy. And I really enjoy going to meet and see her family. And she enjoys mine. Like, you know, We don't go looking for things to be upset about at the other person, you know? And I think that's been the biggest difference between us and every relationship I've ever had where other people that I've been with go looking for a reason to be mad at that person or here's why you're not good enough for me or here's why you're, you know, you're pissing me off today. Like, you don't do that. I'm a very annoying person. I'm a very hyperactive person. I'm a very, like... uh, grumpy person sometimes and you let that roll off your back i think if you didn't you'd be crazy <laughs> you know what i mean like so i think that that helps a lot too um and and vice versa you're very annoying you're very no, i'm just kidding
3: <laughs> lean back
1: that was a joke you're supposed up. to laugh all right well there's a first
2: fight for everything reinhold <laughs> we want it on air though so if you're going to do it make sure the big first fight on, is on
3: air. air on air fight fight
2: <laughs> We, get, we can get some uh some views out of
1: that, I think. Uh, very good. Thank you guys so much. Uh anything that you want to say? No. Tell him how much I love the audience.
3: He loves y'all very much.
1: Don't say it like I I, I mean you I mean it. Tell him how much I talk about how much I love the audience.
3: Literally every day for hours. <laughs> he talks about the audience. Yes. Every day.
1: No one loves you as much as I do. Uh, so say goodbye, Squish. Bye-bye. S- say hello. Hello. Say, oh, toodles.
3: Donuts. 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 I did promise her donuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're such a good producer, aren't you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you are. Do you want
1: to go yeah. swimming?
3: Yes. Yeah, swim. Let's go swimming. Is that
1: your favorite? Okay. I All right, guys. Go thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you again next week. I need them. You need what? Honey. Swimming. You need a swimming suit? Do you need cheese?
3: Yeah. What else? Mm-hmm. Cheese and donuts. Um, she lives on cheese and donuts. I mean, we go through. How many mm-hmm. donuts? Are we at least buy a pack of donuts a week. <laughs> I mean, for all that we're doing for like being healthy and losing yes. weight and doing all that. We only feed her
2: vegetables. Wait till, wait till you give her a cheese danish and she has both of them at the same
3: <laughs> time. I love cheese danishes, but I don't share them with her. <laughs>
2: all right. I'll talk to you all later. We'll see you next
1: week. <gasps> we we'll